0: I'm your host, Ian Shearer, and welcome to the First Time Films Podcast. This is my second time hosting a show, and also my second time hosting the show about a movie that is set on an island off the coast of New England, so (laughs) hoping that I'm not experiencing the movie podcast equivalent of typecasting, but uh, that is to be seen. Today I I am joined by First Time Films founder and supreme leader, David Campbell, how are
1: you? You're enjoying and being joined by me, and is that is the correct phrase, you know, like <laughs> you've got it right in both fronts uh, I'm happy to be here, man. This is a show I've wanted to do since day one, and finally two plus years in, we're finally getting to talk about the movie that prevented me from not only being able to take a bath for a week, but being very, <laughs> very, very hesitant. Is that what i are spelling? <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> I don't want to go in the shower. I was convinced it was like a trap door and I would like like fall into like a shark pit. Like, oh,
0: it's horrible. <laughs> Amazing. I'm also joined by the dashing Stuart McLeod. How are you?
2: I was brought here under false pretenses. David told me we were doing TMNT and he lied. He lied to <laughs> I me. <mean, I'm> totally <laughs> <lying. laughs> we're no TMNT. We'll do that another
1: time.
0: <laughs> yes. yeah, so um, one mutant, one huge mutant animal at a time. Um, <laughs>
3: so I'm also finally joined by the lovely Quacko Aji How are you? Oh, I am amazing. Although, I've got to say, the podcast that uh, me, David, and Scott are used to, we're not used to being called Supreme Leader Dashing or Lovely, so we will do,
0: we will do. Yeah, well, actually, All that chivalry here, all that chivalry here. It's a good film camaraderie. <laughs> so, uh, today, we're going to be talking about the original summer blockbuster 1975 hit Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, the film stars Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, and Robert Shaw in the tale of a police chief, a marine scientist and a fisherman on a quest to find and eliminate a great white shark that is terrorising fictional Amity Island. So, first off, I just want to talk about uh, what were our folks' initial impressions of it? Good, bad, great, awful, what do you guys think? Uh, we'll start with you, Scott,
2: what do you think? Is it weird that I actually saw Jaws 2 on holiday once before I ever seen Jaws 1? <laughs> you know, I, I was very quick to pick the premise up, you know. <laughs> It's not as if you have to see the first one they get what's happening.
0: Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, did you think you think you may have been confused? You may have been confused going in because
2: they're
0: uh, <laughs> the same shop before with the vengeance. This, is this the, saga,
2: the twin brother of the shark from before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And <laughs> so, no, then, what about you doing? What did you think? Initial impressions? Oh, it scared the bejesus out of me when I
1: was younger. Uh, honestly, like this, a Jaws, the whole Joy series was an ITV two uh, special. Like they seemed to have a hard on for this series for many, many years. <laughs> it seemed like every weekend couldn't go by without one of them being shown. Uh, But my dad let me watch it when I was far too young for it. 22 years of age. And I was like, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) My first time watching it. Like, like I'm being genuinely serious. Couldn't sleep for a week. And I went after sixth year with Jack uh, to see his family in Australia. And they kindly booked me a surfing lesson. Um, And I, I didn't want to refuse to do it. Right. I didn't want to refuse to do it. So I did it. I was sick in bed for the full day after it. Like, not from any illness, like, just from the stress it caused me. That's how much this movie made me fear the ocean and sharks. And it's no joke. Now, having said that, phenomenal movie. Great motion. <laughs> <laughs> if, it
0: made you, if it made you feel that way, I can only be
3: a testament to the, the film craft that went uh, back towards it. What about you, Kwaka? How did you find the film? Well, by type of first-time films, I thought... With the last two films I watched, I thought I was on a punishment. In fact, the last three films, I thought I was on some form of a punishment. But this film, I... um somewhat happy to report, I loved this film, I absolutely did like this film it was really, really good, hey. David you have redeemed yourself because yes. honestly, if you were going to give me more duds like that the last time, <laughs> I would have just seriously thought oh no, I'm busy all these days I'm really busy, I'm really busy, but no, this one, no, fair play I didn't even need to watch it twice this time, I loved <laughs> it first time around, and I love, yeah what a film. Oh, fantastic, so was that actually just your first time watching it? very uh, you're going to notice a theme my friend (laughs) (laughs) all the films I'm going to get is literally like there is first time films and then there's noobie for, uh, films in this <laughs> case <laughs> like I don't films <laughs> 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 oh, and that, that's
0: actually that was I sort to bring up because uh, I was going to ask if anyone, else, if anyone else first time because I'm sure like a lot of people saw this film growing up uh, watched it as a child but it's kind of became a thing and be, uh, like, things I've been reading about it that uh, like everyone remembers their first time seeing Jaws remembers the exact time it. and obviously for Quacky that was to be the best couple of days but I remember my first time watching it and I was criminally too young to be watching it i was absolutely shitting myself man it like, as, 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 as i remember like covering up in, onto my mum like a wee baby like getting into the fetal position
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not after this. but uh do you
1: remember your first time dude yeah so itv2 um uh, my dad lets me watch it and my mum my mum's like with every movie you know, she's like, no, no, you're you're too you're too young to be watching this. Too young to be watching this. Like, no, it's Winnie the Pooh. Calm down. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, she was right in this instance. And I remember <laughs> I was just in my telly down the stairs, ITV Two. So he had the brakes every time. And I'm literally being serious. Like, it's, since the very first night I watched it, like any form of urino or anything with water attached to it, I, I convinced myself the shark could attack me. But it was <laughs> like, despite the fact it's very clear in this movie, it can't go into like too shallow water. I was convinced that I've washed my hands.
3: Like somehow the shark would get me, and that was the very. I was gonna river. ask, what kind of bath do you keep in Erskine?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: did, you, did you just did you just say, oh, the Erskine bridge is out there. Let me just take a bath in
1: there instead. <laughs> I've always the the one memory apart from the fear that stuck out is the way that um, what's his face says, "Hoopa," like that's always stuck with me. Like, I've always found <laughs> that really really
0: funny. <laughs> but- and what about you, Scott? Do you remember your first time watching the film?
2: Uh, I don't remember how old I was when I watched. it. I was old enough that I already knew what jaws was. I was I think the second one. I think I think of a certain generation of people who came out, who were born after us came out. Well, you already know about it because it's that iconic. You know the the music. I'm sure, like David said, it was on ITV one one night and I had nothing else to watch. And my mom and dad probably loved it when it came out, but as they got older, they realised. Well, he didn't really like it that much. It was when my dad came in. What are you doing watching this shit buddy, stupid rubber shark? All don't know what he's One to do.
0: Yeah, that's mad. Do you know, it's crazy. that It's crazy watching it back again. Now, did you know that it was actually rated like PG family friendly when it first came out? nineteen 19- seventy-five? So you could actually... So kids were allowed to come in and see that as long as they were accompanied by an adult, which is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, I can't imagine Just- being...
3: Despite
0: like They'll a severed leg floating, not, not even to mention just the shark attacks, just the uh, uh, floating decapitated heads, yeah. other other floating limbs, people cut, people cut open bite mark bite marks in the uh, kind of like book of shark horrors that <laughs> they seem to be reading through obsessively think, in that first half. Um, <laughs> that is mental. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's funny because. Um, when they done the kind of, initial test screenings of the film, um, Spielberg was actually kind of taken aback by how kind of scary and jumpy and seeing popcorn flying in the air by scared scared they were. So he actually went back, reshoot sure, and see the scene with the floating head. That was actually added in later. He said, "I want, I want to go back and make it even scarier." So they went and got, a <laughs> and got a prosthetic head and had it pop out of the boat in front of Hooper when he goes to search the boat during the night. So <laughs> it's, it's like, I can't believe uh, upon knowing. <laughs> it was gonna. It was scary. They made it scarier, and then said it was BG BG
1: all right for kids. But uh, that's, the, that's the thing, though. Like, I don't understand how Spielberg hasn't really done like a proper horror movie since this one. Like, because after this, like this was the one that really launched him, right? But then, see if you look at his filmography after this, it's like E.T., Indiana Jones, like Hook. You know, it goes into direct Hook. Like, like, over 10 years later, now, I'm just like, mate, where's your movie about I don't know a bee? Make bee's scary.
0: You're clearly very good at this horror. I had of scares, you know, Ma, Yeah, so the, there's definitely, like, that kind of, uh, like, and we also, well, before he we made Jaws, he had done it, I think it was a TV series called Fuel, which was also about a monster. So I think that was uh, something, something that inspired him, especially when it came to Jaws. Because uh, he was actually, he wasn't actually the first director who was brought on to take that project. It was another director. But then they kicked him off because he kept referring to the shark as a whale. And they lost him. <laughs> he was able to, be able to continue <laughs> making the film. <laughs> Absolutely not. So let's uh, say, Scott, you brought up something. You said, talked about the big, your dad talking about the big, awful rubber shark. I want to talk about that. What did, going back and watching it again now, and even just for you seeing it for the first time, Quahu, um. What did you guys think about the shark when you actually finally got revealed to you in that last uh, that last half hour or so, uh, Scott?
2: Yeah, like it's a good idea that they uh, they don't show the shark for a good while because like one of the things like even even if like, it's your first day, to see it, you know what a shark looks like. Like you don't need to. It's all what a shark looks like. I mean, you've probably seen the poster of it and everything. Like it's all right there, <laughs> and like. It, made, it didn't make the same mistake the sequels of this thing made where the shark is on screen a lot more and they exposed just how dodgy the shark looks and apparently this would have been the very same case for this film apparently, but apparently they realised that this animatronic doesn't look too good so they cut a lot of scenes with it on screen and so basically the whole best thing about this film was the suspense of not seeing the shark until the last three half hour apparently it wasn't uh, was the, the original plan it was just a, as Bob Ross would say a happy little accident
1: <laughs> <laughs> and be, what do you think about the big animatronic shark? Well, the thing was, like, like Scott's saying, they realised it didn't look too good, but the bloody thing didn't work uh, a lot of the time either when they were trying to film it. Like, apparently, the, the production was shut for for like days while they tried to make the shark work. Like, in Spielberg, at first, was insistent, like he was <laughs> like, nah like this bloody shark is going to bloody work." Uh, but then, like Scott's, like Scott said, "Happy little accident, it works so much better." because of the fear of not seeing it and like the acting Mm. just above the water and they're getting pulled under. But I do think it actually makes it more effective like when you finally do see the shark in that last act because even though it's not the best looking thing, you see it so briefly when it's passing like over the water, it is quite scary. And then at the bit when it's on the boat, like in, like, spoiler alert, eating Quint. Uh, (laughs) Like like, full on devouring the man. Uh, Like it's terrifying. It's terrifying by that Mm. point. So, like, like Scott pointed out, there, a great phrase, "happy little accident." It worked out so well for this movie that things went the way they did with the shark. Sure, and uh well, coming, coming in, coming in uh, completely fresh. This the first time. How did you
0: find the shark when they finally revealed it in its big, you kind know, of rubber animatronic glory?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! Like, it, like touching on what everyone was saying about not seeing the shark and everything. Like that element, but also for me. As as a DJ and someone that loves music, the music on this is absolutely genius. Like I don't know the do do do. I like I knew that bit of Jaws before I watched it. I don't I didn't know it came from Jaws, but that's another thing. Um, but for me, like not seeing it and hearing the music. I actually felt my heartbeat going this in the same rhythm of the music, which just added to that. And I was just like, oh, shit, kind of thing. <laughs> And yeah. uh, when it was devouring Quent, that was just, that was quite horrible to see. And especially the way he it's like, he loses, his grip. like he, lo- he loses his grip because the canister sure. hits his hand oh. so he has that pain but then he's going to get a greater pain later on it's like he traded a sore thumb for a kick in the balls <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, a, there's a line that Quint says in
2: this that I recognise this from The Simpsons and I didn't realise it came from from here when he does the bit where he runs his hands in the chalkboard and say, I'll kill him for this I'll track him for 3,000, but I won't. I'll kill him for 10,000. It means that Willie is uh, in order to get Homer back from a cult. He goes, I'll kidnap him for 100, deprogram for 150, and kill him for 500. No, just the first two. OK, I'll throw on the killing for free.
1: <laughs>
2: like I didn't know that came from, from this. You know, systems always love to uh, like, and get jokes from pop culture. I didn't realize that this was from that. Maybe because I've only seen Jaws once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, well, see the thing with the animatronic uh, shark is, I feel like it get. I actually feel like it gets a really bad rap. I actually don't think it was that bad. And I feel like, as David was saying, as David was saying, I feel like um, it does. The threat of the shark is already been established, like the whole way through the film, and you get and you like get the kind of build fear, and you know like what the shark's capable of. Um, so when you eventually see it, it's actually not. It's actually I don't. I feel like it's the, you're like you have your like imagined idea of it, but that's it there. That's that there in front of you anyway. But you also have everything that's been sitting in the back of your head like this, direct, it's been developed over the course of the thing. And I don't know whether this is something that they mentioned uh because uh because maybe they thought the looked bad but he was talking about how he has like kind of dead eyes no soul so <laughs> maybe it actually made se- it actually made sense that it was this big kind of unfeeling unfeeling robot monster so maybe it may actually work in it may actually worked in its favor i can I, like going back and watching now i remember like going in going like oh, i can't wait to see the big shit shark again and then i saw it, <laughs> i was like really not really not bad i thought like um
2: it just, the it's
0: thing. just a couple of moments I was a bit like kind of, uh, 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 you can tell it's just like kind of
1: like, just not kind of roll up going back and forth. Ian, mate, I'm telling you, right. See, so as someone who studied uh, these creatures uh, to make sure they never get killed by one, their eyes are <laughs> like that, mate. Like any documentary you watch, there's nothing there. And they say if you get attacked by a great white, here's my survival guide, people. And this is, this is established through years of research before going to the harsh seas of Australia. All right, you stick your hands in the eyes. That's what they say. Like, stick your hands in the eye sockets because that will cause it pain. Uh, apart from that, I think you're <laughs> right about the animatronic game. But do you know what? I have a sneaking suspicion, I have a conspiracy theory that the animatronic legacy has come from the shit animatronics in the George Ride at Universal. I think people think that it's like the same shark so when they see the one at the right they're just like, oh, the one in the movie must also be shit
3: <laughs> Do you know, can I just say David asked telling people to stick your hand in that shark's eye is like when Bobby the barman told Winston <laughs> to stick a finger up the dog's arse to stop him from attacking him
2: <laughs> You know, Minty is there also something like this that says you need to punch it in the nose or is that a dolphin? Comes I thought there's some sort of creature that you may
1: smack out of the nose that will hurt it or something like that I, 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 If my strategy fails, follow Scott we are saving lives <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You never knew you were going to come into the first time film podcast expecting a movie podcast and you come out with survival tips <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I'm definitely serious, you're not
0: laughing I'm definitely serious has <laughs> yeah, got some shark boxing uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> moving on from
0: the acting of uh electronic robots and on to that of the people the stars i think i want to talk to you a bit about the performances in it because going back and watching it i just realized just how just how, kind of how wonderful it really was like um did you guys have a? Did you guys have a favorite character? Are you uh, are you a Hooper man? Are you uh, are you a Quint man? Or are you uh, the chief policeman? Like, what do you guys think? Uh, uh, Scott, go first.
2: <laughs> I to say Hooper out of the, the three characters, I think that uh, aren't complete idiots in this film are obviously Hooper, the chief, and uh, Quint. But out of the three, I think uh, Hooper was my favorite. He seemed to be for a lot of it the only person talking sense for the majority of it. Even mainly because he knows about uh, sharks. And like the bit towards the end where he's in the the cage, like I was so fear for for him, like he's like he's right down there with a with a shark, and yeah, there's a lot of like these three are the three that are your most root for, Uh, because like the bloody mayor. I used to think when I first watched this, like this whole thing with the mayor not shutting the beaches is like so unreal. He's just an arsehole for the sake because you need someone other than the shark to dislike. But watching it in 2020 where somebody won't close something down for the sake of human lives really, <laughs> it's a lot more easy to get behind. You know, the relevancy of Jaws is still relevant today, outside just to shut your pants, fear of a shark biting you. Which, uh, really, remember Billy Conley always saying, like, you went to Australia and you didn't want to like get in the water because of sharks. And he had said, someone told me, yeah, they don't like the taste of, uh, of humans. They don't, don't realise that until they've already bitten you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wise words. Wise words. What about you, David? Who's your, fa- your favourite character, favourite performance? Oh, but I have to... I,
1: Hooper's so delightfully weird, I'm tempted to see him. Because Hooper does, like, see the faces and all that, and certain things he says, like, like, back people's backs. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. OK, I won't leave, he's such a diva, and I respect that personally. <laughs> uh, but like, hey, I've got to go with Quinn." Uh, his introduction is wonderful. We've discussed the scratching on the on the blackboard, a horrible, disgusting sound. Uh, but I you know, man, I can sympathise with him because, like, obviously, it gives both of them a hard time. But you know, he knows it's the chief's first time in the boat. He's he's been more delicate with him than Hooper, and he's trying. You know, Hooper doesn't know. Oh, Quint said that was a shark when he first caught it in the fishing line, and bloody Hooper's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's no, it's like a swordfish or something like that. And Quint was bloody right. You know what I mean? Quint was right. He just didn't expect it to be as fucking big as it was. That was his only downfall.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Maybe maybe his ego got his ego got in the way sometimes. Thought he was yeah. the expert. <laughs> but
3: uh, what about you, Cracker? You? Who's your favorite character? Um, I has to be Quint because of the way he commands respect and stuff. So one, of, one of the scenes that really hit me was when they were in a the boat, they were drinking and having a laugh and showing each other their scars and stuff and having a laugh about it. And then he was asked about a particular scar in his arm, that it's like, oh, what shot caused that? It's like, no, he was actually on the ship that got torpedoed by the Japanese after Hiroshima. Is like, it got all serious, and he got everyone's, like, everyone just shut up, and they had that mm-hmm. kind of respect for him, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, goodness. go for it. No, yeah. I that whole sequence the best part
1: of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. I love that whole night where they're talking, like, and it just sums up every single character so bloody well, man. Like, I love it so much.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the fact that his story comes only like less than a minute after Hooper like, reveals his chest, and like, there's nothing there, he goes, he didn't mention the woman's name, went, she broke my heart, or something like that. He'll <laughs> 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 have a laugh.
0: Yeah, no, you know, I got I gotta agree with Kraken Dave on this one. Quint is probably Prince gotta be my favourite character. Just um Robert Shaw's performance has was just so so raw and so raw and visible. like he really like get that kind of kind of hardened hardened fisherman kind of like it just really it just really it just really really sold it for me and he just like kinda he seems like the most reasonable and the most set in his ways, but he's set in his ways because he's right most of the time, like the example you gave David and yeah. uh Hooper was also so fantastic, but yeah, he does definitely did have that uh, kind of tendency to be a bit petty. Like, I remember um, Hooper telling him what to do, and he's, like, grimacing at him behind his back, <laughs> sticking his tongue out and all that. Uh, but no, no, Quinn's fantastic. But I feel like we haven't, we haven't been given enough love to uh, Police Chief Brody. I think he's really is the kind of... Um, even though uh, Hooper and Quint are probably the biggest characters, I think uh, Brody's definitely kind of the heart, the heart of the film. Like, obviously, he's your kind of... Handsome, handsome leading man of course
2: but uh,
0: yeah, he's like, an
2: alcoholic as well he gets brought <laughs> to the
1: bottle of the wine he pours a pint of
0: <laughs> <laughs> by the pint of wine way, way was
1: wonderful <laughs> should have moved to Scotland uh, with drinking habits like that man I like, yeah, imagine like you introduce you him to Bucky like, what be, <laughs> would he be up to man he's
2: loving it he'll be able to deal with fasting <laughs> <laughs> scarves <laughs> as well <laughs> we I'm he'd be our fucking man right now <laughs>
3: For me, Brody, like why I didn't pick him, I wish at times he had a bit more of a backbone standing up to like the mayor or the chief or, I mean especially when the mayor was, who I thought was a total dick, but I will leave that for another time, but it's just when he was like, people started going into the water. Uh, Brody was a bit unsure about it, but he still said it's okay for his sons to go on the estuary. Well, it turned out not to be okay, but that's another thing.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing about Brody is, like, see, at the end of the day, he's just a guy trying to do a job. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and that's what I love about this movie is that he's, he's not some big burly action hero. He's not, you know, Sylvester Stallone or Schwarzenegger, you know what I mean? Like, he's the man who has a job on the island mm-hmm. to protect people. And everything he does in the movie is to try and protect folk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's simple as that. That's what makes this movie so good is the simplicity of Brody, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's just a guy doing his job, and he is just you kind know, of a part of the system. And it's kind of funny, like thinking about this whole you kind know, of relationship with the mayor and the PR disaster, and uh, trying to worry about money and stuff. Because I've been watching The Wire lately, yeah. and uh, <laughs> obviously The Wire is just all about all about like keeping keeping the mayor happy, keeping the stats right, keeping the money keeping money flowing. In. And and that's day I was going. to was like, that fucking mayor, like, I'm fine. I, I, I kill him. There's people dying out there. There's people dying out there.
2: They <laughs> do you care about the system? It goes go back to Quint for a second. There's uh, something I noticed. I don't know if you guys picked this up on this, but obviously Quint gets, you know, end and then Brody doesn't have much time to react because the shark's on him, so he has to take care of, of, the, of the shark. And then when sees then sees that, when Hoover then emerges from back up, we realize he's, he's okay. And, like, they both kind of look at each other and they realize, oh, Quint's kind of gone. And then they're, they're making their way back to shore and, like, Brody, like, makes a joke about not being so bothered with the water anymore because, obviously, they end on a light note, but, like, you know, a guy just died, uh, the guy who was basically helping you, <laughs> and you don't seem that kind of, I know you barely did him, but still, they didn't seem yeah. that good. Kind Quint of,
1: got eating
2: horribly even though he didn't see it I right in front of Brody
1: but Scott Brody was like he was a you know what I said he was a policeman in New York you know what I mean he's seen mm-hmm. some shit he's seen men die. you know Quint's just an R statistic you know what I mean like to he, him
2: he's seen he was, sharks come <laughs> in the sewers and just <laughs> like, he'd, 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 he'd water off a duck's back to him
0: yeah teenage <laughs> root ninja sharks obviously come up you know, and <laughs> they're very easy <laughs> So so
1: uh, seen the mayor but he's all he's slag slagging the mayor and probably rightfully so. You get, definitely so. <laughs> I understand. He's small town guy. Like mm. this is like no one affluent community. You know, mm. like, I'm, I can't even try to defend the mayor from George right now. But you see <laughs> the way he was shaking. Like in the thing about he's like my kids were on that beach too. Like he knows what he's doing is wrong, mm-hmm. and I think it's makes it makes him a better character knowing that he knows he's wrong throughout it. You know, like oh. it's not as like if he's completely ignorant. He knows he's making the wrong decision, but chooses to do it anyway. That's what oh. makes a great bad guy. He's a dick
3: <laughs> He's <laughs> a dick. <laughs> sorry i hated that man it's just (laughs) how smug small that his suits were pish and all and it's just it's just the way he's like yeah yeah yeah, you all go to sea don't you yeah yeah go to sea so that everyone can follow suit and stuff like that and he's like we need to think about our tourism it just has i mean it's quite fitting the current times we are it does have some echoes of what some leaders are saying in the current times of coronavirus is like, oh no, we, we need we need to we need to save the uh, equestrian and uh, show jumping uh, uh, economy. That is very important, but when you're talking about lives in danger, like let's say if there's, uh, I don't know, if there's like a wild horses that like killing people, you're not going to tell people, oh, go show jumping, it's all right. <laughs> right?
1: Quacko, you could say the shark was eaten out to help out.
3: <laughs> you know like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're getting well, so Well, the problem with eating, the difference is eat out to help out pays for up to 50% of your meal, not 100% like that shark was taking a greedy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> a, weird, a, weird,
2: a weird. moment about this. There's an unresolved storyline here with the shark that I, uh, I need to resolve here. Because there's a bit right before the little boy gets uh, killed that. Guy's playing with his dog on the beach, right? And right before the kids get to that, he's shouting out for the dog. He's sitting beside that the dog was chasing, him, and we never see the dog again. So the dog get eaten. Is it weird that I'm more upset about the dog potentially dying than <laughs> <on> the child?
1: <laughs> I think the dogs are gone, Arscott. Like, you could do a spin off with the dog, you know? Maybe the dog went on to become Cujo uh, from all he sees. <laughs> uh, my, my first instinct is
0: the dog. The, the first dog to in the Atlantic. <laughs>
1: Fucking swimming bud, like <laughs> next. Like, was the first track <laughs> of Jack- wouldn't be the last. <laughs> He's like the dog version of Quint. I've seen some things, you know. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dragonies pod in a chalkboard, just. <laughs> yeah, was
0: I'm just imagining a kind of dog press conference now.
1: I hate that woman more than the mayor. The one with like the the short black hair and the bob and she keeps talking really loud as though that's an actress who thought she was the centre of the film. Like she uh, was trying to steal that yeah. shit. Like yeah. she, shows up, she shows up again in the beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am like, well, we're only trying to the show. She's like, 24 hours. That's like... Two- <laughs> 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 That's not how time works. Yeah, and she's like, I disagree with that. I disagree. No one cares, Karen, what you disagree with. Like, she was. That must have been her character her name, was fucking Karen. Because she was the same. <coughs> <thing.
0: laughs> i one heard the hand coming down the chalkboard because she's just, talk, just talking to me and he's scratching. <laughs> try, try get a tense open over here. <laughs> His
1: fingernails nails are sort of gone. by like the point
0: she's still bloody speaking. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to talk about the the film as a whole as well. Just um, I think see what see watching right back now and just thinking about everything you see in it and everything you hear. Watch the marking. I feel like it might be one of the most iconic movies that's ever existed. Like everyone knows that poster. Everybody knows that music. Everybody knows we're gonna need a bigger boat. Everybody knows the hand scratching down. Everybody knows that shot of uh, was it Brody sitting on the beach? And his, what, what what's that effect called zoom in and zoom out
1: at the same time? Oh, oh mate, now you're taking us back to like fucking yeah, this, is first, this, is first, this is first year film chat. Um, oh. yeah, it's like you move in and
0: zoom out at the same time or something like that.
1: I have but, my computer uh, here, so I'm just going to type in Jaws Zoom and it Google Dolly Zoom, mate.
0: Dolly zoom.
1: Right, well, yeah, I
0: just I was thinking about that and then. Um, I want to, I want this get get your opinion. Would you guys be for this argument? would you think there might be a film that's even more iconic? Because I think off the top of my head, I can't think of something which has more recognis- more recognizable features apart from maybe something like Star Wars. But that's and that's a fantasy. But I think that might even make Jaws more iconic because it's completely grounded in reality, completely grounded in reality, and it's just so recognizable. Oh,
1: that's a hard question. Star Wars. Maybe with the music and stuff like that. Um, I think that's what makes it the first true blockbuster, though. To me, like, if you're going to define something a blockbuster, obviously the financial element comes into it, but the memorability, you know, all those aspects of it, it's definitely the most iconic horror movie ever made, I think. I don't think that's beyond any doubt. And I probably would agree with you. It comes down to everything, the presentation, the villain, the characters, the moments, the music the lines, the dialogue. The Simpsons have used it, for God's sake, like Scott said, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to argue with what you're saying there. I tried to think of a controversial point to try and <laughs> put back on it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> as you can tell, despite filibustering, I had nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> really, it's, it's actually funny that we're talking about uh, like Star Wars probably being the next one. Both had scores by John, uh, by John Williams, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it really does, because Quacky also mentioned this earlier, that the music really does just like, Carries so much, and it has this kind of, and knows it knows how to be tense, and knows how to be kind of, mm-hmm. and it does be tense, intense, like, yeah. and knows how to kind of like give you that wee kind of little glimmer of hope every so often, and mm-hmm. then you know uh, there was a moment I loved in the music where um they're on the they're on the boat they're on the boat and they're getting the the sharks circling them and they they start playing the. Remember the song that Quint was singing about the Spanish lady, like the Spanish lady, like oh well,
1: yeah,
0: Spanish lady, yeah, there's a Spanish lady. Exactly, and they actually, and he packed that into like a week, and there was like a week, and a nod to that in the music, like on there was on the on the strings or on the flute or something like that. Yeah, but really, just like just excellent. And I think you know, I feel like if you have John Williams attached to anything, for John Williams attached to anything that you do, that's going to like have this sense of kind of epicness and
1: yeah. But there's one. One moment that really does annoy me. And see when they attach the barrels to the shark, every time there's this wee happy song as though the fucking issue's been solved, and I keep going <laughs> back, like, John, John, th- that's not true, John. Like, the fucking trick is here. You know, it's first like, battle this, you know? Help. the second barrel didn't help, the first barrel hardly helps. I'm sick of these barrels, you know, John. Stop with this happy score as though they've accomplished something. they have coming
3: and all. of a groan, like, uh, oh, another barrel. <laughs> I, I had a silent laugh well not a silent a quite a loud laugh to myself <laughs> at how American it is is that what can we do to solve a problem of a shark hell let's just get a water and shoot the damn thing <laughs> 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 people with dynamite and everything
2: they- <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. The whole Americanism is given that it's, it's also centered around the bloody Fourth of July, and that's why they want the, the beaches open.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of holiday films, someone told me that Jaws Four: The Revenge is a Christmas movie the other day. Mm-hmm. It's hard to disagree with them. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I don't think I've ever seen
0: Jaws Four. I've seen the first one, the second one, and I think the third one. And I've then it, the at movie. the end of the third one, where they kind of four pieces of kind of random miscellaneous bits of shark meat hit the screen when he dies. I think that's when I gave up. I was like, okay. I was like, okay. The that's fourth like, one,
1: mate. Watch. Let me just explain to you briefly the fourth one's plot, right? <clears> throat> the <throat> film opens with the shark killing Brody's son. Brody's dead with a heart attack by this point, right? But the shark has hunted down. He did not want to come back for this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Caine's in the fourth one, right? Like right, That's how bad shit this is. But Ellen <laughs> Brody has a psychic connection to the shark It knows that the shark is hunting down members of the Brodie family so the other son takes her to the Bahamas where the shark follows them to the Bahamas to try and kill the Brodie family as revenge for killing its brethren and it starts Ellen Brodie's back, the actress who plays Ellen Brodie in this one, she's back as the lead with Michael Caine as a drug smuggler who flies a plane it's Good. It's,
3: is a shark <laughs> like some don of a mafia
2: or something. <laughs> I do I, uh, I know
3: about it. Michael Caine. <laughs> uh,
2: two things I know about Michael Caine and, and that shows for is that one, I think he's pretty sure there was, a, remember that same year this came out, was, he won the Best Supporting Ass, uh, Actor also for a film, and he said, oh, Michael Caine can't be here to accept this. It's because he was on he's on set for this piece of shit film. <laughs> and, and apparently there's a scene where he gets dragged into the water and then eagle managed to rescue him. But when he gets back on shore, you know, he's made just break free at the water. His shirt is bone dry. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> the reason is because they took so long setting up for this scene that the sun dried his shirt
1: his famous quote is I've never seen Jaws the Revenge but I've seen the house that it paid for
0: <laughs> <laughs> see I feel like that's the kind of duality of Michael Caine as well you're either like oh I film like Michael Caine or you're like oh I film like with Michael Caine <laughs> <laughs> he's either in something that's great or something that's terrible and then yeah, 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 you kind of
2: in between I can't remember who it was that somebody did an impression of Michael Caine, and they do it to. The people often ask me how do I choose my, my movie? movies. I look at the first page of the script and the last page of the script, At the character they want my plays? on both pages. I do the fucking film. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually seem to be. You look at some of his later stuff. Yeah, that does seem to be his. Uh, this process.
0: Yeah, we well, showed up for like 45 seconds in It <laughs> I think it's nice. just, you know, like, him, and, him and Nolan probably just have something have, so, have something some sort of agreement going on. I think Nolan's
1: just like, you know, we should probably throw Michael a role. Uh, it's been a while since he's done anything. You know, don't give him too much. His memory's gone. Uh, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> you see everything that Now You See Me films, the ones about the Mark Rommage, I love these films, but he could not look like he wants to be there, less, especially the <laughs> <a good> one. <laughs> Is why they put Daniel uh, Daniel Radcliffe in more, who's maybe be his uh, illegitimate son. <laughs> well, <like that>. Now <laughs> he's you see me. probably he might be there either. He easily put more of an effort. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, so uh, just, to wrap up the to wrap up the jaws discussion. Uh, why don't we go for the arbitrary number out of number out of ten? And I'm assuming from how we've been hearing things so far that it's all going to be quite high. So I'll I'll start off. I'm gonna give it a good nine nine point three, maybe. Oh, I thought I think it's I think I think it's a like modern. It's a bit of a modern masterpiece, and it's you know they kind of they, that, how how iconic it is and uh, kind of what it inspired from then on, and it's kind of like cemented its place as the first ever summer blockbuster. It's just them, um, it just really kind of sets it right up there for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ten out of ten. Just wow. all the stuff. We're, we're, this is my fourth favorite movie of all time. Uh, I have a definitive ranking in my top five. It goes The Kill Bill. I take that as one because I don't take up two spaces. Uh, Almost Famous, <laughs> Seven, and then Jaws, um, and all of those movies that are up there at ten for me. From what Ian laid out, is that iconicness if that is even a word of Jaws the music <laughs> the, the, the iconicness you know it's just there, there's nothing more I can say about it to sing its praises it's just awesome just awesome
0: and how about you Scott?
2: I was going to say much appreciation to uh, David for seven being his third favourite of all time that's currently tied as my number one favourite of all time along with uh, in Bruges. Ooh. so just want to show the kind of uh, dark sense of humour I kind of have
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I don't think I'll rate this as highly as you guys. I'll, I, I don't know if I can go more than a seven, maybe. because oh. I don't think I have the attachment uh, that maybe. <laughs> I'll go there again. I seen it later, and I tried. I liked it better the second time around. I tried to put myself in the mindset of uh, of the time and like. And I think it's weird that I've seen films with a similar format to this of so a something creature chasing people, and ironically, it's because of Jaws that you get all these things, like. You know a film is ahead of its time when so many films try to emulate it, including the film's own bloody sequels. <laughs> 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 the idea of this being the first ever Star-Botlifter, I just sat there when I hear that, I think, Jesus, thank God Star Wars came out two years later. Cause <laughs> 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 but, you know, I enjoyed, enjoyed it a lot more at the same time. The second half, where it's just supposed to be on the boat, is better half of the film to me because uh, everybody else on the island just seems like a bunch of fucking black jawed locals, especially the guys who try and go out to catch the shark. <laughs> is that another Simpsons reference to Cletus the slack Slackjaw Yoko? It, it is, yes. It's also you look at half the people like they're all standing around like I think, I think Hooper says they check the bite rate or something like that. The shark that they've got and one's like the what? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the what people you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, Joe, you know, maybe maybe a bit more bit more hot a bit more harsh than maybe we've we've sung its praises. But you know we need we need we need someone in as a contrarian, someone to t- someone to put <laughs> us in our place and we start putting it on too much of a pedestal. Uh well,
2: a in this scenario <laughs> <laughs> what,
3: about you, Quacky? what do you think first time watching Jaws, what do you reckon? Mm-hmm. No, I would have normally given that an eight out of ten, but however, because it is a film I would well, of the limited films I've seen that I would normally watch, like I generally would never have I can't think of a time I would have put this on, so I'm going to give it a 9 officially for that. I can't give it a 10, but I'll give it a 9. Cool. Well, fantastic. Well, I think that just about wraps up
0: our um, discussion of Jaws for the day. Uh, moving on, before we wrap up uh, the podcast as a whole, we have a couple of news stories, so um, let's get into a couple of things that have been happening uh, this week. first thing I was wanting to bring up was... Uh, We've just got a sneak peek into Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in the new adaptation of uh, the PlayStation game Uncharted. Uh, I just wanted to get a wee kind of get a wee consensus of what people thought. Well, about what people thought on that. Well, what do you Dreamy, <laughs> very dreamy. He yeah, is dashing. He is dashing. It's dashing. Uh, <laughs> <Holland> is great. <laughs> like, it's like when I first saw the photo, I was like, wait. I mean, not Nathan Drake meant to be a kind of? Not quite, not quite middle aged, but kind of, gr- kind of gruff old, young, <laughs> gruff old young. But then I <laughs> saw it reading about it; he's actually going to uh, be playing a young, young version Nathan Drake. Uh, it's, I, when I look at the image, I go like, "Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to get out of this." But for some reason, just I think Tom Holland just has one of those like really young faces. Like he just looks like a wee, he just looks like a wee boy. Okay. <laughs> You know, if he's, played, if he's played a young version of Nathan Drake, I can probably get down with him because he is a very kind of, a very kind of charismatic actor. Uh, what, about, what about you, Scott? What do you reckon?
2: Uh, I'm not really much a gamer. So I've never played Uncharted, but I've heard a lot about this film. I've heard this has been one of some that have been adaptations that we wanting to do for years. Every time I hear about it for years, I hear people say Nathan Salihim <laughs> is the uh, is uh, Nathan Drake. So I almost forgot what the guy's name. That's how much the, like the bloody, Spider-Man PS4 game came out like what last year, and I only got it this year. I I, I, got, I played it like a month ago. That's how I'm not much of a gamer I am. But you know, I've seen an image of what Nathan Drake meant. It looks like I've seen Tom Holland. Uh, that was one of the things I'm like, oh well, he looks fairly accurate. I have no idea how he's <laughs> actually. <laughs> That's the guy in the cover. So
0: uh, I feel like if we could give him points on that, <laughs> points on that, anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. He has a passing resemblance, and yes, uh, I think it aids Tom Holland uh, to have a very young face given how much. Might- Given he's playing Spider-Man, he's locked into that for a foreseeable future.
0: Sure. Yeah, so he'll be just be playing yeah, every movie adaptation of all PlayStation games. Uh, just <laughs> yes.
1: stuck in an yes. endless,
0: endless nightmare of video game franchise. Uh, with be good, be Tom with. Holland
1: and uh, Fast and the Furious: Popio Drift uh, is what <laughs> I need. Uh, that's that's what I need.
2: It's written it. Drift. It's written into his contract. In Don't forget, you're here forever.
0: <laughs> so, so you're also giving up your soul, uh, Bobby. You Quacker? What do you reckon? You much of an uncharted fan? Uh, pass I've never
1: heard it of it.
3: Never heard of the game. So,
1: oh. go into his Instagram,
3: cracking. It's wonderful. It's a great <laughs> So yeah, I, I watch the best a lot, guy. Sure, I mean, but
0: does <laughs> have a wonderful, wonderful insight there? <laughs> <laughs> I did read, though, which did worry me, it was uh, it seems like uh, it's went through six directors. It's went through six directors, and the kind of pre-production, the lead up to it. So that was, I mean, here Travis Knight, Dan Trachtenberg, Sean, Le- Sean Levy, Seth Gordon, Neil Berger and David Russell. So they've all joined and left the project, and kind of in turn from each other so the seventh director so the seventh director is, finally, is uh, Ruben Fleischer who you'd know from Zombieland and he also directed that Venom that Venom reboot recently oh, so what do you
1: expect from Sony Ian? like honestly, yeah. I'm not going to rant for my second time being here like gonna row on Sony but what do you expect from Sony Pictures the fucking equivalent of throwing shit at a wall and seeing what works so fucking we're just talking about Sony mate I hate them. I'm not getting into it. It's going
2: to get my blood pressure up. Thing, don't, uh, don't, don't be too harsh on the, the the Venom film. I'm I'm literally wearing a Carnage T-shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: oh well. So in, in that vein, do you reckon, do you reckon you might have some fit some faith in this uh, in this adaptation, considering that you're a fan of a fan of Venom, or is it just a character of Venom you like, or is it the movie with uh, the movie? Well, with I, didn't the
2: main, like? I didn't mean the film. I'm just uh, I heard that Carnage will be in the sequel, so I'm just. For because I like carnage as a character and well you mentioned zombie and I, like you know, what, you know what they say you know is the first director doesn't succeed try and try and I just love hearing stories about the way up team directors like I remember remember the crew remember they said they were gonna do another crew about 20 odd years ago mm-hmm. what it feels like yeah.
0: Yeah. so but. Well. So there there we go. So I mean I'm like I don't know. I'm not gonna hold out One for the sorry thing, one for the getting in trash getting in trash directors. And you know, I feel like uh, video game video game uh, adaptations tend not to be tend not to be great. Like did you watch nineteen ninety five Mortal Kombat? Mm. <laughs> that's just your that's just your prime example.
1: Amazing movie. That
0: is a, that is all going on the spreadsheet for the new year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'd all have plenty to say about it. So moving on to our next uh, story, another, um, well, not a video game franchise, but a toy toy franchise getting made into a cinematic universe. The Power Rangers Cinematic Universe, which I was a bit taken aback when I first heard it, I have to say. But uh, let's get a couple of hot takes on uh, what we think about this. Uh, What do you think, David? I can see you smiling.
1: (laughs) Mate, the, the movie that came out a couple of years ago was not that bad at all. And I'd probably like to say I argue deserved a sequel. I seen that after work, right? In a Mr. Incredibles costume, because we're dressing up fancy dress that day, looking like the biggest geek on the planet. And I came out of it thinking I expected this to be dreadful. And Elizabeth Banks was dreadful, but the movie as a whole was pretty good. <laughs> like that was my overall thoughts. Um yeah, but there's enough lore with the Power Rangers, like um, umpteen series with like different things happening in them that a cinematic universe i feel is possible for the power rangers and i'm saying this in a place of sentimentality not a place of objection but <laughs> I, have, I have faith in it and i have hope in it i think is the most important thing
0: yeah i just hope they can uh if like, I mean, I'm not holding out much hope. I'll say uh, <laughs> I love the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers growing up, and I didn't really like that movie. That came out a couple years ago. I want them to keep that kind of the kind of campy heart, which really made everyone love the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers like growing up. I hope they kind of still have some of that. Maybe something more like. Did you guys uh, see the uh, most recent uh, Shazam? The most recent DC. Yes. Yeah, that see great. that. See that kind of kind of campy Sam Raimi ish, like kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you got? Like, a, I want to say positivity. No, not not, yeah. not even, not even that. But like, uh, it kind of acknowledges its own campiness, and it just goes like, "Yeah, we're just having, we're just kind of having fun here." Yeah. So I hope they go more down. I hope they go more down that path, and they do like making it kind of, kind of gritty, gritty real know, stories about people. You know they should just cast.
1: People. They should just cast the cast of Cobra Kai in this new mm-hmm. one because Cobra Kai is exactly the tone you want for the <laughs> Power Rangers movie. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: I'm of two minds when I when I see this story. On one hand, I feel like I've seen this story kind of so many times in films setting up cinematic universes before the first film had even came out and even being successful. Like if you do one or two films with a wee Easter egg and they actually work, then you can focus on the cinematic universe. But like. You know, it started off, like, studios just started, like, doing this for different properties after, like, after Marvel and that. did it. You know, you saw just a whiff of desperation, but quickly a whiff becomes a stench. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, Power Rangers, as a child, ask anybody in my family, that was my fucking life. Wrestling in Perlmages was my life as a child. <laughs> and, just, like, me and David and our early group chat were just talking about the idea of, like, just do adaptations of the various TV shows i.e. bring us, give us Power Rangers in space.
1: Give me Power Rangers <laughs> in space. It's the best one. It's the best song. Yeah, so I was gonna say probably the best theme song in the entire range,
0: yeah. <laughs> And what were you, quirky? Was uh, what have you got? <laughs> you, you, got have you got a hot take on the new? Uh,
3: What's it, ERCU? You'd call it maybe. Uh, well, I did actually watch Power Rangers when I was smaller. Uh, Mighty Morphin and all that, like the original original one and um, i'm tempted to watch it but i'll probably watch with the nephews because i don't <laughs> do that kind of thing where i try and w- introduce them to some of my childhood things that i used to watch and then i would get and they would tell me that i'm old and all this the only time i've not been <laughs> accused of being old was when i showed them uh, tom and jerry so let's see i'll let you guys know how i get on <laughs> i tried that quacky with my youngest sister was like
1: we with Digimon. I try to force mm-hmm. her to watch the first two seasons of Digimon. Oh, you're so cruel David. I mean, come on. Off, enough, enough Digimon slander. Those two <laughs> first two seasons are TV gold. <laughs> like, that's not nostalgia. That's me being objective. TV gold. Right?
3: Well, well, David, I'm not gonna lie. See, at to start of the podcast, you kind of made me feel old when you said you watched ITV2 at eight years old. Because I was like, did I buy TV 2 at eight years old?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, when it comes to cartoons and
2: anime, there are two types of people. There are people who like Pokemon, and there are weirdos, and they watch Digimon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what if you don't watch either?
2: Well, then you're you're the better possession, Kwaku. <laughs> you, you probably know what women look like <laughs> <laughs> So uh, move, moving on
0: from potentially disastrous cinematic universes To actual uh, disastrous <laughs>
1: cinematic universes
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: new, new news have came out that um, In Zack Snyder's Justice League reshoots Also known as Hashtag Snyder Cut They've uh, added in Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke, as Deathstroke, and they're going to be adding it in in a new reshoot to the next reshoot of the Justice League. What do you guys think? I'm already, I'm already shaking my head in disdain. <laughs> but uh, what do you think? David? I can see you've turned. I can see you've I turned turn away. my
1: chair away, Ian. i've turned my chair away i'm sick and tired of talking about Zack snyder's fucking justice league because it's not only joe Manginello. i'm sure joe fucking Manginello is a lovely stand-up fucking guy but the fact i've got jared leto back from his 30 seconds to fucking jupiter tour or whatever stupid band he plays with to come back into this movie a movie that he has where is the joker fitting in to the intergalactic war with the planet of apocalypse What's the fucking clown gonna do? Like honest to God, what's the point? What is the point? It's it's going on HBO Max, so no one's gonna fucking see it anyway. Like so like I resented actually putting this story in here because every time it comes up, it really makes my blood pressure like go. Because like the do you know one thing worse than Sony is the fact that DC <laughs> like genuinely were seen the Avengers and thought we can do that without actually looking at what made the Avengers movies work? They were just like yeah, all the superheroes in one, and that's what this feels like. Zack just like yeah, get them in, you know.
2: I I liked Man of Steel. I went to a minute screening of Batman Superman, convinced myself I, I liked it more than I did. I don't <laughs> think nice. Then I got an extended cut of it for my Christmas, and I thought myself sitting there like, even before the Batman Superman fight happened, I'm sitting there like, am I still fucking watching this? <laughs> <laughs> Besides Squad, um, Wonder Woman it's great, in my opinion. Was I love good. Wonder Woman. Shazam, as we talked about, that's pretty good. Uh, Aquaman feels like, again, serial takes for other films I've seen before, done better. Uh, and then this, like, I didn't really mind it just to see it wasn't what I wanted from a Disney film, but as an actual film itself, really, nothing that overly offended me. But <laughs> can somebody tell that if someone sits next to there and just tell them, listen, mate, if you can't make a film that, has, that can be shorter than four fucking hours, because you did this with Watchmen, I don't even Watchmen, but I heard there's an ultimate edition that's four hours long, and their cinematic version is almost three hours fucking long, It's you can sit through. And it's like, that. You need to rein it fucking in, pal. Try making a deep two hour movie without trying to make some four hour bastard and epic here. <laughs> no,
0: absolutely. I just think that they should just. Zach, you tried and you failed with Justice League. Just let let it die. Stop trying to reanimate its horrible, twisted corpse. It's already decayed. Nobody cares about it. Nobody it's already dead. It Zach, no, it's, you tried
2: your best dead. and you failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> This in here is never a try. And Fucking you know what? Oh. I've not even watched Mission Impossible 6 because that fucked up this movie because like Henry Cavill had a mustache for that film, which was the whole thing with the CGI. Like I've, yes. I've, I've, from what I've seen of the plot of, of uh, Mission Impossible 6, I'm like, what exactly is necessary about Henry Cavill's character having a mustache? Shithouse today,
1: Scott. Shithouse That's all <laughs> it was. They were just like, no. Fuck you, Warner Brothers, they were just like, no. Can I just also say, Henry Cavill looks like,
2: he looks like someone who should be able to play a good Superman. He looks like Superman, he's a built fucking guy. He is not a good actor. I realise that halfway through watching Batman v Superman in cinema. He's like, you're not a good actor. <laughs> you, you look into this role that you kind of look at, look like you should be able to play. But you are top, head, top you're that fucked. It's horrible acting has taken away my ability to speak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the thing. I'd be more interested in a movie that was titled fucking Zack Snyder and Henry Makeup Porno." You know what I mean? If Kevin Smith hadn't done something similar first. Uh, but, we'll, 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 you know, There was nothing else to say apart from, like, who the fuck cares, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm not saying I called it from the start, but I called it from the start. As soon as my Steel came out, I knew it was going to be a. Tra- I knew it was all going to be a train wreck and it only got worse and then I realised that I should have just appreciated Man of Steel for what it was at the time <laughs> instead of being so militantly against it because I realised it was only going to get
2: worse from here and I should have just appreciated it as is. we could take the Snyder Cut bury it deep underground and just like cover it up move on start afresh with, with Robert Pattinson whatever he's done <laughs> yeah. the Robert Pattinson
0: Cinematic Universe I've been saying this for ages yes yes yeah,
1: there.
0: <laughs> I agree. Well, Bobby, you Quacky, um, have you? Uh, <laughs> got- <laughs>
1: <You've> been- <laughs> you know go. the answer to this.
3: <laughs> Quacky here is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you- <laughs> you well, I was, then. I was, I was just politely like, sitting here, nodding away, going, "Yep, yep, <laughs> yep," and then you come to me, I'm like, eh. <laughs> "Quacky
1: hasn't recognised the name since Ian introduced Scott." <laughs> <laughs> Who's Scott? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Who's the Scott you talk about? <laughs> well, me, here, all right. it was me all along. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you forty-four, Scott? All right, now I remember you, sorry.
0: <laughs> well. And so with that, I think uh, we're gonna wrap up the podcast for today. Um I've had a bit. of a about talking about uh, Jaws today. i just like it was. It was actually a, a pleasure going back and watching Jaws again because I just remembered how great. It, I yeah. just remembered how great it was, and uh, I just want to say a big thank you to Scott Quack and David for coming on and um, having yeah. ke- 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 having a good chat with us. It's been a, it's been another uh, another pleasurable one, another good time on the First Time Films podcast.
1: Yeah, it's been great, man, and I think that I can exclusively reveal... Uh, the, the next show will be Gone Girl now uh, on David Fincher's Gone Girl. That will be hosted by uh, AJ Simonton. Uh, we'll be making our hosting debut uh, on this network, so that will be that will be a fun show, uh, Ian. Um, I can also say that the next time we hear you and you're hosting. Uh, you'll prove why you're the best around, and nothing's going to ever keep you down. Because you'll be <laughs> hosting the Karate Kids, mate.
0: Be well, this is me just finding out, but this this wasn't some sort of stage thing. Oh, mate! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Karate like Kids. So this will be a first time, first time, mom, first time films.
1: Nice.
0: So amazing! So uh, thanks again, very much, to you guys, for uh, for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you to everyone who's listening to now. Uh, thank you for putting up with our like n- nonsense chatting for the past uh, forty-five minutes or so. Uh, <laughs> great, so thanks for thanks for listening. See you later, guys.
1: Oopa, oopa. <laughs> <laughs>